Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. <laughs> Hello, um, and welcome to FFS, another Brexit podcast. And we're live. We're live. This is quite exciting. I'm very loud. But... Yeah, exactly. This is madness. <laughs> um, so we, we go again. This feels like it's pretty surreal, a little humble podcast trying to give diverse younger voices. Are we still young? I feel like Brexit's aged us. So do we still count as young? Uh, thank you. I still consider myself as okay. young. Uh, Ellie, I think you would like to consider yourself as young, perhaps? Yeah, I'm only at the ripe old age of 21. So okay. Just you, Jason. Yeah, okay. We, yeah, still, okay. we still kind of count as young. Uh, so it's a special edition, and we are joined by Ellie Varley from Brexit for Students. Welcome. Hello. Hello, everyone. Uh, you're also a member of the Conservative Party. I am. And I you've am. been at conference this week. I well. have. I have, which is why I've kind of semi-lost my voice. Yes. Well, it still sounds pretty strong. I sound like Phoebe Buffet when she had a really raspy, like, sexy voice. That's how I feel right now. <laughs> Great stuff. You still sound better than John like Burko. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've got more of a voice Did you hear John. him this week? Yeah. Order. It was literally horrendous. Yeah. Uh, for those of you that we've not met before or maybe haven't listened before, I'm Amanda and... I'm Jason. And we help run alongside Richard, who's trying to hide in the audience, um, FFS, or For Our Future's Sake, which is kind of like the youth and student wing of the People's Vote campaign. So we try and do things in bright colours, less boring language. We can tend to be a little bit harsher in terms of what we say about different people. Um, and yeah, we started this podcast a few months ago now, and we try and have slightly different guests to normal, hence why we're quite excited to have Ellie with us today. Yeah. And Ellie's going to join us for the whole podcast as well. Normally we we get rid of the guests so that we can talk actual nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Normally we try and limit what they say, but we thought we'd like, you know. Oh, I've got free reign. Yeah. That's yeah. great, that's great, that's great. Um, so every week we start by asking our guest to pick an FFS award. So giving an award to someone for doing something ridiculous on the Brexit front. Oh, so God. who would you give your Brexit award to? Oh, um... Maybe Rory Stewart. He he's a, he's been in the news this week, and I know we are going to talk about him. But, mm. um, he's done that something that for me was a bit. Oh my gosh, really? <laughs> I don't um, think that was just you. Think, yeah, probably that. lots of people had that opinion of of what Rory did as a, resigning as a conservative and saying he's he's going to run for mayor. Um, for for me personally, as a conservative, I think he might take away some of the votes for our great London mayor candidate Sean Bailey. Um, so from that kind of perspective, I think it's a bit stupid. 
Um, but, you know, as a, as a parliamentarian, as a Tory parliamentarian, he's actually a really good politician. So, mm. you know, as I was saying, if, if I look at it from two perspectives, um, he's a loss to the party because he was a great politician. But he, he's, yeah, I have strong feelings on what we should. I don't want to go too far into it. So what we were obviously talking about this before mm. we came on. And what I thought was quite interesting was you said how the fact that he'd done that was potentially a good thing in terms of like Brexit in yeah. Parliament. Yeah. But I took, I took a different view because I Rory just votes, he votes for everything, for a deal, for probably for a vote, I'm sure, at some point. Like, <laughs> yeah. he just, he's one of those Tories who's like, oh God, difficult situation, I'll vote yes. And it's like, well, that to me, that doesn't take away a vote from Mr Johnson. That actually would have been a beneficial thing. But obviously, mm. Rory's going to walk through London boroughs. As, as a man of the people, as he likes to frame himself when... Uh, yeah, a man of the people from London, clearly. Yeah. Well, I do. How comfortable do you feel being a member of a party where someone like Rory Stewart doesn't feel he has a place? I think over the past couple of months, um, the party's mood has really changed. And I think specifically it's mainly down to Boris Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that before he was leader, uh, saying that the party was a broad church is something that I would pride it in. I'd say like, yes, it definitely is a broad church. And I think it's right that it is a broad church because... Do you still think it's a broad church? Not so much anymore. I think if we continue the way we're going and, and the whole the whole tone of political debate, I think that all parties will become, you have to be, it's my way or the highway mm. kind of parties. And you've seen that with the Labour Party as well, that you're either for Corbyn or you're not, and you're not a part of the Labour Party if you're not agreeing with everything that Comrade Corbyn says. Mm. Mm. All right, well, we'll come back to Rory and the Tories in a bit. Who would your FFS award go to this week, Alvin very, very recently crowned winner of this award would go to Steve Baker uh, mm. for something that I was told. He said, I might get Ellie to just like confirm. Ellie was hanging out what? with Steve Baker yeah. this week. I <laughs> saw it on I, your A couple line. of people have now said to me this morning that he said he wanted Nigel Farage to be, what is it? Um, a European commissioner. Uh, yeah, and I mean, I think we should reflect sure. on Like, just, I just could not like... I mean, you can't call yourself a conservative and yeah. think that. Surely you cannot call yourself, you can call yourself a lever, but you can't call yourself a conservative and think that. Steve Baker is low-key crazy. He's not like out there. <laughs> low-key? Jacob, well, because you, you look at like Jacob Rees-Mogg, you're like, oh, you're, you are crazy. Whereas Steve Baker is just quietly, he'll just go around his business and then he'll say something where you're like, oh no, you, you, you're extreme. <laughs> and that's extreme. That's crazy. I mean, it is quite extreme. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I would agree, but I mean, maybe, I mean, um, it wasn't met with booze from the people who no, said it in front of. No, the audience loved it. Of course they So, did. yeah. <laughs> I just, it, really, I don't, it just really surprised me. Like, you you if can somebody... listen to him say that on uh, Chopper's Brexit podcast. If, if, yeah, and if I, I actually will, because I still, yeah. not that I don't believe you, I just can't believe he said no, it, yeah, if that no, makes it, sense. It, it took me by surprise, I'm not going to lie. To me, I thought that was just bizarre. Utterly yeah. bizarre. Yeah. Uh, mine would go to Priti Patel. Did you see her speech? conference I did. we were talking about this earlier I, too, I was in yeah. the room when it happened I just think I mean the fact that she's home secretary frightens me and again in terms of like broad church conservatism that kind of liberal conservative that mm. liberal Tory she is the polar opposite right and that bit around freedom of movement just particularly as someone who is you know ultimately an, an immigrant mm. um to hear that from her I just thought was was pretty frightening actually I don't know what your thoughts were on, on pretty um no I don't know I have mixed opinions on her sometimes I like her and sometimes I don't um 
I when, think, when do you like Priti Patel? I, I, to be fair, and I'm, this is probably the wrong place to say it, but I quite enjoyed her speech. I thought she was she was quite good. So Ellie, we'd started so, so well. Yeah, this is probably when we start to disagree with each other, which was to be expected. Um, but you know, to, to end freedom of movement, people are still going to be able to come to this country. It's just that we'll have, as she said, an Australian-style point system where we can pick the best and brightest people to come here. I mean, I'm for m- migration. I think it's, it's a great thing. I think it makes Britain, Britain. I think migration is, is a great thing. Um, but that's the direction that the party are going in. So Yeah, I mean, I have a huge issue with the best and the brightest because actually there are lots of immigrants who don't have, you know, degrees or... No, yeah, or yeah. Those, mm-hmm. ...but make yeah. a huge impact to our economy and mm-hmm. society and the idea that we shouldn't be allowing those individuals to come in, I, I find pretty repellent personally mm. but. but i mean it is unsurprising that you didn't agree with what she said like, no, she, she yeah, exactly. but i mean she wasn't aiming her comments at you no, she was aiming yeah, at a it would have been weird people. if i'd like, you know been I mean? like pretty so. that was great <laughs> <laughs> thank you would have been a bit of a um, plot twist but so obviously we've just kind of got to the end of tory party conference really so mm-hmm. i stopped following it on pretty much the second day i just couldn't i just couldn't like it was just too much i also basically stopped following labor conference and i was there mm. so i just all <laughs> no, of them i was gonna say too... i stopped following it by the tuesday honestly like, tuesday it was... was too late i mean it was yeah. dreadful from day one <laughs> <laughs> it just felt like one thing after another but that was obviously from someone who was pretty always like, i was always going to fundamentally disagree with a lot of the stuff coming out of it mm. like xyz but as someone who was there mm. i did see a picture of you driving a tractor i think yes yeah. i was i was <laughs> rebuilding was, it was a digger actually it was a digger, digger. my bad why digging driving, digging for victory driving a, oh okay <laughs> no it was just <laughs> now it, was, it makes sense it was, <laughs> it was an exhibition thing and um i went because my friend told me he he works for some of the people of the company so i did it i did it for him maybe. nice fair enough but so conference overall score out of 10 and what do you think Oof. um I'd give it a seven. Nothing went really yeah. bad, but it wasn't the best conference I've been to. I've only ever been to two. So, it, you know, it's not okay. a lot to weigh it up to. But right. um, yeah, that's that's my score. All right. And Jason, to contrast, Labour conference, obviously you were there for, well, for multiple different hats and reasons, to be fair. Mm. But score out of 10. And how do you think it looked to the outside world? Jesus. <laughs> great start. Yeah. <laughs> Five. So generous. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, I don't even know why I gave it a five. Well, do you know why I gave it a five? Because if you had said to us a year ago when we were campaigning in, was it Liverpool? Was it Liverpool last year? Yeah. Um, That Labour Party's position a year later would be to support a people's vote in any circumstance for the remain on the ballot. We would have loved that. But obviously the world has shifted since then. And I just find it... You know, I, I I don't understand, given that the party got absolutely slapped around in the European elections for lack of clarity, that we're now going to go into uh, another election where it's not clear what its position is on, aside from giving people a vote. People want to know where which side you land on, and Labour's not being clear on that. So I just found it frustrating. I found the attacks on some of the... Uh, institutions within the party, so Labour students and Tom Watson, yeah. the tribalism. I just I thought it was it was pretty grim to be honest. But the, the reason why I gave it five is in the context of where we were last year. The party clearly has shifted, and I feel like FFS and the People's Vote campaign should take a lot of credit for that because twelve months ago it didn't look like we were going to be where we are now. So 
Yeah, I think, that, I think that's fair. You're definitely right on the clarity point, and I've said it before, despite massively disagreeing with them, at least the Conservatives are clear. Like, you know, you've got yeah. a clear Brexit I'll policy. I'll take that as a win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but to maybe bring it down slightly, one thing I thought was super key about Conservative conference mm. was the date, October 31st, didn't feature. It was get Brexit done, but they've got rid of the by October 31st, there was no kind of, I mean, sure, Johnson's speech, but he wasn't really ever going to say anything different. Mm. But none of the branding or anything said October by October 31st. 31st. And I thought that was perhaps a bit of a, actually for once they were forward looking and thinking, do we want on November the 1st when we probably haven't left to have all the photos showing thousands of our most committed activists under a giant banner that says we're going to leave by October 31st. Yeah, that's, that's but I don't know, what like, was that even a thing or was it just, am I reading too much into branding? Um, it could be a thing, but I, I don't know either way. I think it's an interesting take. I think it's an interesting take, but yeah, I, d I don't know either way. I can't can confirm or deny. What's your, what's your <laughs> view of Boris's start as Prime Minister generally? Good job, <laughs> bad job. <clears throat> Well, as someone who backed pretty much every candidate except for him. Yeah. Um, and you had a few to choose from as and well. And I had like at least 400 to choose from. Yeah. Um, I think that as a party leader, he does a lot for the party members in that as soon as he became prime minister and as soon as people had found out he won, there was this, like people say, it, Bojo has brought the party its mojo. Mm. Um, I think activists under Theresa May were kind of a bit disillusioned. So for that sense, the party's really got its oomph back mm. and um, receptions like the CFI reception, people, it was just absolute pandemonium compared to last year with how upbeat and happy and inspired people were. Mm. Um, he has a progressive cabinet. That's another little tick point that is... is, is I'm just going to remind you of our previous conversation. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know, I <laughs> um, know. As a prime minister, I think... And I say this quite a lot that I don't trust him as a person, but I trust him to get Brexit done. And I trust Theresa May as a person, but I didn't have faith in her to deliver Brexit. So from from that point of view, that's where that's where I stand on. Interesting. One thing, because I'd like to do my research. Uh -huh. So I looked through your Twitter feed. Uh -huh. I'm just going to admit it. Oh, God. <laughs> but, but it's actually for something that you didn't say mm. uh, or that was omitted rather than what you did. So. After the proroguing verdict, you were very quiet on social media. <laughs> and I'm, I'm interested to know what your perspective is on that, right? Because if you go into the Students for Brexit website, it's very much about, you know, you've got to defend democracy, you've got to get Brexit done in order to defend democracy. But then you've got a prime minister who, you know, the highest court in the land has said, you know, is not yeah. defending democracy. He's, he's contravening it. So I'm interested to know what your views are, particularly as you were quiet on it. Where I stood on prorogation when I thought it was legal in terms of um, before the Supreme, Supreme Court's um, ruling, I had no problem with it because I, it's, a, it's a parliamentary right that the, the Prime Minister has. I mean, the, the speakers brought up constitutional, like 100-year-old um, bits of the constitution to to do stuff in parliament. So in all honesty, I had no, I had no strong feelings either way. Mm. Hence why I didn't tweet about it because I wasn't really bothered either way. Mm -hmm. um, after the Supreme court and everything like that, 
I could say, I would say I'm maybe not as much of a fan of it, but I think it's right that we have a Queen's speech because this is the longest parliament that we've had in a very long time. And I think it's right that Boris is able to introduce a new agenda because he is essentially a new government. Like mm-hmm. David Cameron and Theresa May, there was slight continuity to it where they, they kind of probably have the same sort of views. With Boris, he, he's he's very different to the both of them. So mm-hmm. I think to have a Queen's speech and to reset parliament is, is the, if it were for that reason, mm-hmm. I'm completely for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but one of one of the things I've that seems like a, a pretty balanced response. One of the things I found most frustrating, I think, listening to many Brexiteers is mm. those who say they absolutely defend democracy and uh, decry a people's vote because they think it's anti-democratic. Have unequivocally supported um, shutting down Parliament, mm. and that to me doesn't seem to be matching up. Right, if you genuinely want to protect democracy mm-hmm. and you genuinely think that you know an independent judiciary is part of democracy, then you should respect the judgment of that independent judiciary. Um, sorry, I interrupted you. But, uh, no, not really. You spoke before me, so well done. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, so I kind of agree with you, I think, on that point. But I think I would say that even more strongly after it was found unlawful, because I think, you know, the way it's kind of going is that actually our judiciary aren't given any respect and actually you're literally taught in school and college and everything to kind of respect those institutions and that they are there to make those decisions in those quite difficult times. So I think the bit that got it for me was when a lot of kind of the leading Brexiters or even just like leading conservatives, actually, regardless of their view, weren't kind of coming out and defending the judiciary. And I know we touched on it on the podcast before. I thought that was quite shocking. And I know a lot of people from across the Brexit divide did actually think that because that was a bit like, well, actually, you go back to that um, enemies of the people front page, which was just Mm. a bit horrifying, actually, I think, to see. But Absolutely. As a supporter of Brexit Uh and a Tory party member who's young, what's life like for you? (laughs) So much fun. (laughs) So much fun. Um, No, I've just finished university. So I've just done three years in this whole left wing environment. Mm. Um, And I can't say it was the it was the best um, in terms of that people will make prejudgments about you. Um, But, you know, once I I made a point of not saying my views until I'd, I'd got to know someone and and they'd liked me. <laughs> Sounds really cringe. They liked me for me, and they didn't take my viewpoints and, and just assume because that's the biggest problem that people like me face is that the assumption is that you're a racist, a fascist, mm. all of, all of those those phrases that get chucked about. Um, my lecturers, most of them didn't agree with me at all. So um, when it comes to raising your hand and making a point that maybe is not what everyone else in the classroom agrees with. It can be quite nerve-wracking, mm. which is one of the reasons why we set up Students for Brexit, so that there is young people know that there are more people like them out there because they are the, there are shy leavers and shy Tories. We're called that for a reason, because I just didn't feel confident in expressing my views when I was in year one at university. By third year, I just didn't give a toss. Mm. And I yeah. tell anyone who listens. So um, <laughs> I would say that university gave me more confidence to be to be. Did outspoken. you lose friends once, once you kept it quiet and then <clears throat> revealed yourself? I've definitely lost friends from school, but I can't say I've lost friends from university in, in, in the same way. Like people that I thought what I was friends with from school, no longer friends with me on Facebook, on follow me on social media. And I guess it can be quite annoying to follow someone who's constantly talking pro-Brexit when that's something you probably hate. Mm. Um, yes, yeah, so you could say you could say that I have lost friends over over my politics, but I don't think it's it's a massive part. Mm. Um, have you lost any life. friends? Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Do you I, have I mean, friends? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wow. 
Wow, okay. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. I was so hard. It was unnecessarily harsh. I apologize. A little bit. It feels like the room's on friend. my side, though. So <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like, absolutely. But I mean, like, again, for people who haven't listened before, like, I'm from North Cornwall, so it is mm. not people's vote central. There is more support than people ever admit, right? But it is not like remain central very different politics to kind of where I live and who I hang out with now. So, but again, it does tend to be people from school mm. and perhaps I would suggest actually, cause I didn't even know all of my politics when I was like, I mean now, but let alone when I was anywhere between the age of 11 to 18. Mm. So it's kind of unsurprising because there are some people I went to school with who I was friends with, who I actually now just fundamentally disagree with on literally everything. Mm. So it's like, well, you know, you could say it's sad or you could say it's, not yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> kind of depends but i don't know i don't know yeah that's fair um just briefly before we look at the week ahead mm. um we haven't talked about the people's vote campaign and your views on it mm-hmm. clearly i think you're against it i, I can't say i'm the biggest fan. <laughs> yeah so share why um you hate everything they were campaigning for. Hate's a strong word, okay? Hate's a You're strong word. You're being very, yeah. like, okay, I'm being fun I'm being fun Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm calm down. Um, my grievances with the people's vote is that what... I don't see that this is very nerve-wracking to say in front of a room like this. No, no, no. You um, can't be as harsh as some of my followers on Twitter. So what, like, what's say the what you point want. of having another referendum when we haven't implemented the result of the first... And it's quite clear that people in Parliament specifically don't respect referendums. I don't think referendums are a good thing. So to have another one or a confirmatory, how do you say it? Confirmatory referendum. That, I, I avoid saying To have well, that. I it polls better, we should say. I, I yeah. really feel like it wouldn't give us the solutions that we're all kind of looking for. And I think that realistically, it's a bit of a waste of time and money. Um, because, you know, you'd have to get, you'd have to like fund the referendum. You'd have to fund all these parties would have to like so much money would go into it that I think would be better spent not to like sound like the people who put 350 million a week on the bus, but like (laughs) how much would this referendum cost that could go towards the NHS or other public services that vitally need funding. So that's quite interesting because normally when people, actually let's clarify this. Normally when people kind of like shout at me or like whoever via Twitter, it tends to be on the democracy argument and it tends to be, Oh, you know, sure, it was three years ago, but we've had a referendum. The people voted leave. It doesn't matter if it doesn't deliver more jobs, more money, more agency of your life. Like we should just, we should leave on Tuesday. Like, do you know what I mean? People very rarely actually make a nuanced argument against it. Like Mm. genuine. I don't know if you find the same, but I absolutely find that. Yeah, definitely. It's it's always about, you know, if we have another one, is it best of three type thing as opposed to, you know, is it actually going to solve anything, you know? And I, I don't, I don't really think it it would. So, follow. Do you think? And I'm interested in your answer as well. Actually, mm. do you think a general election would solve the current impasse situation, chaos, chaotic yeah. impasse that we found ourselves? Yeah, in? Yeah, I, I think it would do more than a second referendum would because at least then we're in a minority government at the moment and that shouldn't really be a thing. The government should have collapsed and we should have had something to to get one person a majority, whether that's the Labour Party, the Lib Dems or, or the Tories. Someone should have a working majority because it's not all about Brexit. There are other things going on that we should need to pass, like the domestic abuse bill. I mean, obviously yeah. that's something that is going to be backed by all sides of the House anyway. But, um, you know, a general election would mean that either way. I mean, it could return an even worse situation than we're in now where no one has no majority whatsoever. Um, but I think that with with what the polls are suggesting, it would 
provide one party with a majority to be able to do something because at the moment we're just going round and round and round in circles. Right. Jason? Uh, I, I unsurprisingly disagree, I think. <laughs> um, Don't have your 30 seconds too. <laughs> um, it, for a few reasons. I think uh, the reality is that a general election would be a Brexit general election. That's the reason why uh, it would be held to kind of unblock what's happening in the Commons at the moment. And given that Brexit was decided via referendum, which I agree, I'm not a supporter of referendums either, but given that it was a single vote on the issue. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. No, I, 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 I've been really consistent about it. My, my view is that we need to have a people's vote because it's the only way and the most uh-huh. effective way to, to solve Brexit, um, give people the final say rather than in principle thinking that referendums are a good thing. But, you know, a general election is about and should be about a huge range of issues and this one would be trying to solve Brexit but then you would be pulling in people's views of Boris, people's views of uh, Jeremy, on austerity, on a whole range of things when actually if you want to solve Brexit go back to the people and have a vote specifically on that issue would be my view. So that's quite interesting because I've been slightly obsessed with the general election before referendum or referendum before general election conversation that's kind of like happening in some places at the moment and the thing that persuaded me because maybe slightly controversially I was quite open to the idea of a general election and then a referendum because I saw a general election as quite a big opportunity actually for the people's vote campaign like people want tactical voting now party allegiances are kind of all over the place both in parliament and in wider society Mm. so I saw a general election as like a quite a long opportunity but it could be a stepping stone to getting what the ultimate goal of having that confirmatory referendum but the thing that actually persuaded me otherwise so it should be referendum and then general election if you know probably general election afterwards was the fact that someone said it would be better that way because it would allow Labour leave voters to vote leave and then vote Labour and it would allow Conservative Remainers to vote stay and then vote Conservative if that makes sense Mm -hmm. and I think In particular, if you look at it from a conservative perspective, I think it's quite obvious that Dominic Cummings and Boris Johnson and all the usual people, I just felt your eyes roll so much there. Mm, mm. (laughs) Um, I need to work on my uh, reactions. Your your poker face. I'm totally here for it. But I mean, the thing that they're relying on is Labour leave voters, but only one in eight people who voted leave are a Labour leave voter. So that is a huge gamble, I think, for them. Which is, I mean, and I've kind of always said it because partially maybe because I was supposed to, but now I actually definitely believe it. If you have a referendum first, you actually have people on all sides of the debate have to provide some clarity about what it means. I don't think, for example, a stay campaign could run again just on economics and not presenting some kind of, if we were to stay in Europe for another five, 10 years, this is what a reform plan would look like. And this is what it might look like for like younger generations. Yeah. But I've also spent most of the week thinking about it, hence why I've got quite a long drawn out <laughs> view on it that probably most people don't care about and don't have. So we are what we are. <laughs> yeah, um, so looking at the week that's just gone, we've talked a bit about um, conference. Should we just talk a little bit more about Rory Stewart then? I'd love to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, Rory, what is he doing? <laughs> so uh, going back to the leadership contest, who was your, who was your top pick? My top pick was James Cleverley until he dropped out. Then I was very avid for Javid, feeling a bit ready for Rob, go for Gove. Um, oh, so Rory God. was nowhere near. Rory, Rory and Boris were the only two that I categorically did not want in number 10. And, uh, what's, and, why? And what are. was it about Rory that did not float your boat? Um, 
I just feel like he's a bit wishy-washy kind of what does he really believe because as you said he he would vote for anything like what what does Rory really believe he pretends he's a man of the people when he's really not he enjoys smoking opium I don't know how many ordinary people do that to pass time I mean if, I think in fairness <laughs> he, I you're he, asking he, us to yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, do you guys smoke uh, opium well the last time no, I, no. <laughs> um, I, I think in fairness to him he'd probably say he doesn't smoke opium now mm. well I, I yeah <laughs> I would disagree. Oh, that's fun. I like that. A little bit of like a conspiracy theory. Right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't It'd make know a Rory sure. walks a bit more interesting if he'd done. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think he's going on so many walks? Um, and you, so you said also Sean Bailey. You're a fan of of. Of course, I'm a fan of our London Mayor candidate. Ah, mm. uh, so no, yeah, cleverly worded. <laughs> but are you, would you, are you actually a fan of him, or are you a fan of the yeah, fact yeah, that he's the candidate? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I'm candidate wise. Bailey, back Bailey wasn't wasn't my first choice. I was more of a back boff. Um, but Sean's great either way. You're so good at remembering the slogans. I literally I, I live yeah, by exactly. slogans. I, I, I just couldn't remember, remember half of them, honestly. I, I remember the weirdest stuff. You could ask me a really complex question, I won't have an answer, but I could tell you all of the slogans that, that are out there. I'm more interested in the slogans <laughs> yeah. than I am the politics anyway. Yeah. And for both of you, do you think who, who does Rory's candidacy candidacy hurt more? Is it Sean Bailey's or is it Sadiq's? Because I guess the argument could be that actually he'll hit Sadiq quite a bit. Uh, what? No, I would actually disagree. I think like surely Sean Bailey, because unless Rory turns around and is like, I'm pro-revoke. Like, I mean, people might be bored of talking about Brexit, kind of we are where we are in the country, in the situation. Even the London mayoral election is going to come down to Brexit. Mm. And London voted very heavily one way. And Sadiq's actually been quite ahead particularly of the Labour Party but actually quite ahead of a lot of people in saying referendum revoke like EU citizens should be allowed to vote like all this kind of stuff mm. and unless Rory Stewart really properly pivots and says that I just can't see how he's going to make a significant dent in what Sadiq is saying now it doesn't mean he won't make a dent at all but I think he'll make a bigger dent in Sean Bailey's candidacy mm. because he'll probably take the softer Tory vote perhaps yeah I think I'd, I'd, I think my I'd main concern is, is I think I'd buy that too I think Stephen Bush's argument though which is a you know if you're a moderate centrist uh Tory or even moderate Labour supporter you see Rory seems like a liberal kind of guy reasonable talks about his track record of being able to get stuff done yeah that, that might be appealing in a way that you're kind of my mum loves him and and she's really? she's not a Tory for, Lo- for a particular right. reason or she doesn't know she also likes Matthew Hancock she calls I, okay. him she full names him <laughs> She, really? Yeah, she oh, doesn't goodness. call him Matt. She's like that lovely NHS man, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! Um. Does she pair Matthew like you just did? No, <laughs> Matthew. <laughs> um, but yeah, it is. I, I really, of, of all of the takes, I thought Jonathan Friedland's one. I retweeted it was the one that hit me, which is if you're gonna uh, have your candidacy built on your liberal values, going after Sadiq Khan is probably an interesting place to start if you're Rory Stewart. Like, why would you go to, and compete against Sadiq Khan? I, I just thought it was like a genuine surprise. Apart from anything, last week, I'm pretty sure um, Rory Stewart said something along the lines of, no, I'm not announcing anything new. Like, I know everybody thought he was going to launch a new party because we're so short of those, but also mm. like they more. thought, yeah, I know. <laughs> they <laughs> thought that's what he was going to announce or start or try and start like a movement or any of that kind of stuff. And then he announced this. And I think a lot of people were like, one you are actually announcing something then, but also too, what are you, London Mayor? Like, what yeah. are you doing? Yeah. yeah. But, it's I mean, also, it's, it's also like Andrew Donis going for Vauxhall. That also was like, a, oh, whoa. 
Things, you things his, are just happening. Have you seen? So I only watched it last night. His campaign video. No. Because it, I, so I, like, I actually like see Andrew a fair bit now, and we talk like a lot, and we kind of get on. Bit of a name but, drop there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But no, not like <laughs> me and Lord Adonis. Go <laughs> yeah. away, but. Best friends. <laughs> thank, thank uh, you for shooting. <laughs> Shots fired. Yeah, yeah. No, but like, and it just actually genuinely surprised me. I didn't realise he grew up in a children's home, mm. for example. Um, I didn't know that he was from Cyprus. Like all this kind of stuff that I actually didn't know. And then I was also a little bit like, why is it taking you to decide to run in Vauxhall to put aside a slightly more interesting, like, facts about your life, to be honest with you? But in, in fairness, that is, well, I think he does talk about that quite a bit. I, I mean, inside the Westminster him. bubble, perhaps. But. <laughs> Did you just, just accuse saying. me of being inside the Westminster yeah. bubble? Um, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Any backs me on this one? <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> no comment. Great. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Anyway... Uh (laughs) Slight tangent there. Yeah. Um, so we generally ask people to make predictions, mm-hmm. which is always unfair. And people say, why are you making me do this? But we're going to do this with you. Um, what do you think is going to happen now that we've seen Boris's proposals? Do you think they're going to get through? Uh, I don't know. The reaction's been mixed to what he said. Some people have said it's utter rubbish. He contradicts himself and it's never going to happen, including the EU have said that. Mm-hmm. Um, some people really like it. They think this is great. We, we, we won't go for no deal. We'll have, we'll have some sort of deal. I think that what's going to happen is we probably won't be out of the EU on the 1st of November. I really don't think that we will. Um, Yay. Which is no, really no, bad. <laughs> yeah. Which is really bad. Um, um, so I don't think that will happen. I have a feeling that we definitely will have a November election because that is just something that goes around everywhere. Everyone's saying it. Mm. Um, all of the parties are gearing up for it. Yeah. So it must be. So, it must be sometime soon. And I, we, I've never had a winter election before. I can't imagine it'll be. And I actually don't really intend to go out on the doorstep for a party. But mm. I can't imagine it'll be nice at five p.m. in the dark in no. the pouring rain. Yeah, would, yeah. would you happily do that, given the reservations you talked about earlier about Boris, the fact that he was one of the two that you mm. desperately didn't want to? Yeah, to one win. of the biggest reasons why I didn't vote for him or Rory was because or back Rory because you didn't get a chance to vote for him. 
um, was because I thought, can I actually go on the doorstep and look someone in the eyes and tell them that to vote for the Conservatives is a good thing and that mm. I, I fundamentally believe it? Um, we are in the position that we are in now. And I'm still a Conservative, so I will go out there and ask that people back the Conservative candidate where they live. And I, Boris won that election, so I have to accept that that's, he's the leader. And he is very popular amongst the public outside of London. So I think we're in good stead with Boris in that, in terms of that. But yeah, on from that. But yeah. only in good stead if, for the Conservative point of view, if, if we the, get Brexit. Well, if the Brexit party stepped down. Yeah, we, uh, the fact that we're refusing to do an alliance with the Brexit party is, is a little bit crazy for me because they're, they're the people that are going to take away most of our votes. We saw it in where that by-election was where they, yeah, they split, they split the Tory vote and we probably would have had that seat if it wasn't for the Brexit party. Mm. And I think the Brexit party are open to deal, doing a deal with us, but we're not open to doing a deal with Would them. you do a deal with the Brexit party? Would you be happy to see that happen? Well, people seem to think that the Brexit party, this massive far right group, when actually they're a they've got a communist amongst them. So they can't be like this crazy. Does that make you more pro? They've got a communist. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, they <laughs> also you know have me, I love communism. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, if we were to do that for this election to ensure that Jeremy Corbyn doesn't get into number 10, why not? Um, but beyond that, no. Would you um, see Farage in a future Tory cabinet if a deal was done? Oh, God, the thought of that actually fills me with dread. I would hate that. I, Nigel Farage is fine in the European Parliament, but he I don't think he belongs in the House of Commons whatsoever. I, I don't. I would never want to see him there. I'd move to New Zealand. Interesting. So but you, you'd see a deal with the Brexit Party, but you wouldn't want to see him as the leader of the Brexit no, Party. No, it sounds so stupid, doesn't it? But I would never want to see him as an MP. Not, like Nigel Farage MP fills me with like pure dread. Yeah. I, I would hate that. That, I mean, I would. I there's would kind of that too. two interesting things there because one, I know you said the Brexit party are open to it, like they are begging for an electoral pack. Mm. Like you don't take out a wrap of the Daily Express. I literally dread to think how much that cost. I will never have that much money in my life. Mm. You do not take out a wrap of the Daily Express saying, "Do a deal, just yeah. deliver X, Y, Z, and do a deal." Unless you are like, they've got other intentions. Though, yeah, like packing yeah. slightly. <clears throat> also, the second thing is like if they did do an electoral pact with the Conservatives, like. One of the things would be Farage would stand as an MP for the what eighth, ninth time yeah. somewhere, and it would, you know, like I mean, as much as we as a three actually might collectively not agree with a lot of what he says, I think one of their strongest negotiating things would be look, give Farage not like a safe seat, but a winnable seat, probably a Labour leave seat, just leave seat, just to kind of make a point, mm. and actually realistically, who would get in? So a consequence of them doing an electoral pact probably would be yeah. Farage as an MP. Which is why I'm glad that we don't have one, even though I've just said that. I could that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what I was thinking. As you were saying it, I was kind of thinking it through. And then I was like, oh God, I hope they don't do one. No, that would yeah. be bad. Oh, yeah. but. And in some respects, I kind of think, I would hope that the Conservative Party don't need to be propped up by the Brexit Party. I think we're strong enough by ourselves. Going back to Boris again. Sorry, this is my last. My favourite topic. <laughs> so, <laughs> my you know, keep, keep bringing it in. This <laughs> yeah. Boris Johnson, not Boris. Yeah, I know. I, yeah, oh God. You're falling into the branding trap. Oh, God. Yeah, no, that is... <laughs> I feel dirty. But you wouldn't call David You're Cameron right. David. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I'd never call David Cameron Dave. Dave. What would Dave. Theresa, what's Theresa May's short name? TZT. That's what I like to call her. TZT. Oh, my God. TZT. That is worse. Or TM the PM. She's no longer the PM anymore. I'm in denial, okay? I keep forgetting that she's actually not in charge anymore. Do you know what? I'm in denial. Reports of her just shaking her head in disgust during... Boris Johnson's statement um, <laughs> well is delightful. Um, the, the question I was going to ask is, and again, it's um, 
it's interesting to see how people are prepared to shut down parts of their brain in order to see Brexit get done. So I'm seeing mm. where you are in this. All of the allegations um, about Boris's impropriety as London mayor, bringing mm. people on trips that shouldn't be brought, or the allegation um, that he touched a woman inappropriately. Mm. What's your perspective on that? And then again, going on the doorstep, advocating for a Tory government, a Tory majority with him as prime minister, given those allegations? I'm not going to try and sit here and defend what he's done. If he has done that, then I think that's, that is wrong. There's no way, there's no way about it. And there are people out there defending him. And I think that that's just wrong. Sexual assault mm. or mm. Um, whatever else he's done is wrong for a reason. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And just because you're the prime minister, you shouldn't be able to abuse your power there to, to get away with such things like that. Um, I can't, I have to stress that they are allegations. Um, and you know this this is my party that i've i've been a part of for the past 3 4 years um so to have someone like him if that were the case as our leader would that would honestly kind of put me on edge to think like how can they allow this mm. how can they allow someone like that to be there so if it was if it was proven that would be a red line for you it sounds like yeah i mean one of the reasons i didn't want boris is because he's got a history of that and i don't think to have someone a, a, as a leader of the country that i i hold in such great respect I, i'm very proud to be british I am not a racist. Um, you know, to have someone who has that like almost Donald Trump-esque history, mm. it's it, it, not right. And I think and people- And Teflon ability as well. Yeah. It just, for some reason he seems to- Like there's, I don't down. see the point in trying to pretend that it's an okay thing to do just for my party's sake. Like, yeah, that's where I stand on it. I can't, yeah, ma one, massively respect that, but also want to flip that back onto you, Jason. Mm ex-Labour councillor, are you going to go out door knocking to potentially put Jeremy Corbyn in number 10? <laughs> it is hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Um, particularly with um, with all of the anti-Semitism stuff where I, I don't think he's shown the necessary leadership on it to then say this man should be prime minister is a very tricky one. I, I, I sort of feel in the way that you're describing about campaigning for an MP, you know, I am in a constituency with an excellent MP in Catherine mm. West, who has been a supporter of a people's vote and of FFS right from the outset. So I would have no issue at all in campaigning for her. But yeah. for the party, yeah, it's 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 tricky. Um, so do you think, I'm just interested in both your views, from potentially like a Canterbury perspective, where obviously it's super marginal, yeah. and also from Hornsey and McGreen with Catherine West, who's been like really supportive, mm. do you actually make a really definitive difference between going out and door knocking and supporting that MP, even though they also come with that party's emblem and leaflet and all that kind of stuff, to the national stuff. But do you also think most young people do that? Because like parties are completely and utterly driven by like their young campaigners and people who are prepared to go mm. out in a November election mm. again all day, all like in the rain, in some really like horrible conditions. If we're quite honest, as volunteers, mm. do you think that will put a lot of young people off actually even getting involved with their parties, let alone like voting in an election? I'm not sure about other constituencies, but actually I would challenge that it's younger people who are door knocking for Labour. Certainly in Hornsey and Wood Green, it tended to be 50s, 60s upwards who were the, who were the real door knockers. 2017, there was a lot of talk about the youth quake and that driving Labour's result being better than everyone thought it was going to be. Um, but the broader point of, you know, how comfortable would I feel between the split? I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel comfortable. I like Catherine a lot. 
Um, and I'd like to see her re-elected as MP for Horns in Red Green, but I don't feel comfortable between that and the split in my head about concerns about the leadership of the party. And I don't know how to reconcile that, to be honest. Might have about seven weeks to work out. God, this has become somber. <laughs> um, I'm, just, I'm genuinely quite interested. Yeah. People don't actually ask the difficult questions, if I'm honest, on most podcasts. So yeah. here we are. But and I mean, do you think it'll make it more difficult for young conservatives? Possibly. I, you can tell by the last election that was very much based on who the party leader was and not the candidate you're voting for, because it was Theresa May and her team yeah, is yeah. who you were voting for. Back yeah. me and you get Theresa. And that's a very presidential-esque campaign. Mm. And we aren't. We are a parliamentary um, democracy. So there is there is the concern that that could really be, shape how politics evolves and yeah. how it becomes from what it should be. Because you're electing your member of parliament. You're not, ele- and by a by effect of that, you're electing the prime minister. But at, first and foremost, you're electing your member of parliament. And that's what it should be about. So I think there are there are there, there is a possibility that it could go to that. But I really couldn't say whether it will or not for definite. Mm. It's interesting. I, I, for some reason, I think that's going to be like a huge thing in the next few weeks. The closer it gets to an election, you'll suddenly have people saying like, you are voting for, you know, insert Corbyn Johnson, whoever. Well, yeah, a there. vote for Labour is a vote for a Corbyn government is what everyone says at the moment, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Which it, technically is somewhat true. Yeah, and it's an effect for anyone who's well, anti-Corbyn. It's quite an effective thing I to think say. That's oh, the, yeah. That's, that's the driving <laughs> force behind Cummings and Johnson wanting an election now as well, I guess. Not just a unblock what's happening in the Commons, yeah. but also because they think they can beat a guy with a minus 60 poll rating. <laughs> yeah, well, um, should we pick the mood feels up? like a fair... Let's, yeah, let's pick the mood up a little bit and stop yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. how depressing politics well, is. Well, <laughs> I haven't asked you what your prediction is going to be. But what, what I think is going to happen. Mm. Um, honestly, so I think Johnson and his cabinet will do loads of talk around, we're leaving, we're leaving, we're leaving, nothing's mm. going to stop me. And then I think they'll be like, oh, okay, just ask for a cheeky extension and they'll just do it anyway. Because they do they do kind of keep doing that. And the one time they didn't was prorogation. Turned out it was unlawful. Didn't really go too well. Uh, I then will probably have a general election. I suspect the SNP will insist it's sooner rather than later. And then I think we'll end up with a hung parliament. Great. So we'll be back here at the next podcast live chatting <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. about yeah. how nothing has changed, Thinking I suppose. About how wrong uh, we were. Yeah, I know. All of our predictions will be wrong. So we thought we'd chuck it open, take a couple of questions from the audience. Um, if anybody has any, you don't have to. It can be about literally anything. Yes, There's a question. We've got a question. That's great. <laughs> Hi, guys. Um, with, if we assume that the next election is going to come before Brexit is done, I think we're probably all assume that will happen. Um, There's a lot of talk that um, Conservatives will need to run the election on a no deal and a Mm. manifesto. Um, Then you've got Labour who are going to be people's vote and you've got Lib Dems who are revoke. Does that leave a big open goal for a deal supporting party? And if so, who is going to fill that void? Oh, that's quite interesting. That's a good question. Uh, So I... A bit of a hot take, and you would like to think that it would leave a gap for somebody who's like, we'll get a deal and then think of like a pragmatic way to sort out however you have to like sort that out. Um, no, I don't think it will happen, unfortunately. No, <laughs> I wish I could say I did in a way. But I personally just genuinely think everyone has now, including people's vote people, including uh, moderate conservatives, I think everyone has become so staunchly stuck in what they believe, that's it, and actually... You know what, if they're going to run around shouting, let's go WTO, I'm going to run around shouting hashtag revoke, revoke, revoke or whatever. And it kind of is what it is. But and the, only, the reason I think I think that is because if you look at Scotland, 
the Conservatives in Scotland have signed up to being basically a bit of a no-deal party, and that's the one place they could massively benefit from being a deal. The Conservatives can benefit from being a deal party, but they're the only party in Scotland that's no deal, so they'll sweep up those votes kind of regardless of what they think on nationalism, I think. But that's a massive hot take, and I'll probably, as with my prediction, be proven wrong. <laughs> I, I actually entirely agree with you. Whoa. <laughs> what, what is happening? <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. But Ellie, any thoughts? Um, personally, I don't think that the Conservatives would go purely on a no deal. I think uh, the whole like meaning of being Conservative is is the, the familiar, not the unknown. And a deal is is that the best version of that in Brexit, I think. So I, I'm not, you know, they might go for that and I'll, I'll be wrong and I'll have my hands up to that. Um, but I think they would they would go for the slogan that they're sticking to now, which is get Brexit done. And that means by any way, any means possible, um, hopefully not breaking the law. Um, mm. But, you know, I, th- I think they'll kind of stay on that position that we have to get Brexit done. And that might mean no deal. But to be pragmatic about it, we, we should aim for a deal. And I think with the Labour Party, um, I think their problem will be the Lib Dems in the the Labour people who want to just end Brexit and forget that it happened. That that that's where their vote will go. And I think the Labour Party policy at the moment is is something like we'll go with whatever most, is most popular. We'll decide on the day what's most popular and we'll go with that. So I don't think they have a very strong policy. So I, I can't see them doing very well but I say that as a Tory so I'm a little bit biased no it's fine and I mean obviously but I, I think a lot of Labour people would agree with me <laughs> uh, I mean I broadly think the current Labour policy is like you said it's good if we were still in a year ago it's mm. not good enough for now but I, I think maybe I challenge the fact that Labour will go into it as a people's vote party rather than a remain party because I, I think it'll end up some absolute shit show like the european elections where about two days before the election they'll have to come out and say (laughs) oh no actually the overwhelming majority of our members supporters mps meps and anyone who's ever said the word labor support staying in the european union (laughs) maybe we should put that on a leaflet and like they'll get there but they'll do it way too late to have any impact because corbyn's ideology that's that's what corbyn did with the referendum though he took ages to say either way and yeah, I mean, I said he was Labour would pro or the policy was that Labour would pro remain. It was kind of too late. Lots yeah, of, no, some completely. people use that as a factor as to why we did vote to leave because yeah, Jeremy absolutely. Corbyn took no, I mean, so long. Absolutely, and you do get these like particular like Corbynistas again who go out and say Jeremy did more speeches than anybody else during mm. the referendum. I'm like, I'm sorry, if Jeremy Corbyn wanted to put the full force of momentum and non-momentum Corbyn supporters behind the 2016 Remain campaign he would have done it mm. and he didn't do mm-hmm. it. Just as an aside, but you were talking about the likelihood that the Tories wouldn't advocate for a no deal because it's not conservative. Yeah. What does what does being a conservative mean now? Because actually look at a lot of what the Tory party has done, is doing over the last two, three years. Mm. It's not particularly conservative. <laughs> There's nothing <laughs> traditional or respecting the rules of of. of you know how they've been i think brexit has made everyone go i'm gonna swear batshit crazy yeah like normality has gone out the window we've only the first two swear words for yeah. this podcast have come 50 minutes in yeah. which is unusual <laughs> <laughs> but yeah the, no, keep going um so i think as we said earlier and i think this the broad the conservative party are a broad church party so to no one truly knows what it means to be conservative because so many people hold different views of it i could tell you my view um and and to be conservative is well personally as someone who's a little bit more of a liberal conservative is having the freedom to do what you want and having the state there 
to to enforce the law but not tell you how to live so i can i can do what i want and know that there's some protection in the state but i, I am a free individual to, to be who and how i want to be mm. um that's why i'm i'm a conservative because i feel like that, that as a party they they represent that that viewpoint in how to how to govern um but yeah it's a, it's a tricky question to say at the moment if i'm honest mm. should there any other questions from the audience yeah uh i'm not even sure where the mic is oh no someone else has got that covered thank you so i got a couple of comments and then i got a question at the end if you guys don't mind okay so um the immigration policy earlier on that you mentioned i got a different take on it um i put my hands up conservative um very Ooh. much from a thank you very much from <laughs> uh, two of us in the room yeah well, very actually, much uh, oh three three okay cool no worries. four oh my four, gosh just so many of us the whole party membership are here <laughs> <laughs> it's me meant to be making that joke not you let's hope the votes grow that way election time that yeah. Way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah percentage time okay um so uh the immigration uh point from earlier on um i actually think um the eu is actually more racist, ironically, staying inside. Um, being outside the EU gives us opportunity to look for talents outside a white Christian bloc. It allows us to look to India, to Pakistan, to, look, I'm from the subcontinent, I'm from India, so I thought this comes to mind first, but from all over the world. And also it allows us to other countries and other people who fought and died for the freedoms of this country, primarily from the Commonwealth, it allows them to have, be first in the queue, if we choose to do so. In a democratic method, we can fight and tussle also, I think it might take the sting out of um, immigration that comes from crises. So what happens is, is that if we see lots of people coming to take what we consider low-skilled jobs from Eastern Europe, and then at the same time you have people coming from places that are going through lots of suffering or problems. <clears throat> so say they're coming from um, North Africa and they're coming to emigrate. If we could take the sting out of one of them, then perhaps we might be able to say, you know what, we've got a liberal policy. We're not going to take so many people from Europe, mm. but we will take more migrants coming from elsewhere. So I think we might be able to balance off that reactionary idea or you know problem that's happened. We could help a wider pool of people. So that's just a thought. It's not a question. Sorry, and I had a couple of others just while they came up. Um, by taking no deal off the table, um, as we did with the with the Ben Act, as it's been called, um, that's why I think Stephen ba Steve Baker has gone to the idea of putting Nigel Farage as the commissioner. It's another way to hold a gun to their head. I mean, I don't like to use that kind of <coughs> you know like the violence <laughs> part, but I'm just saying a kind of. Um, and I think no one seems to be listening, or no one seems to be galvanizing, and no one is like, what could really rile them up? And what about having the person who hates them the most having to sit? ineffectively what is their legislative and executive body. Um, that's that one. And lastly, um, about doubling down on, um, on Boris Johnson. So Boris Johnson, we've seen that he's had some issues in his personal life, which he tries to park away. And I can understand why he does that. But let's not forget that on the left, when it's come to Burkow and his handling of his office, and there are also allegations, by the way. So, and what's happened, people on the left have gone, well, we don't care what he's done in the office even though it might be massively mm. inappropriate. There is a level of hypocrisy. we've doubled down. So everyone's doubling down and no one's giving uh, like a golden ladder to climb down and mm -hmm. say, hey, you know what, let's ratchet this down and let's come to a solution. So everyone doubles down. So everyone continues to double down. You're going to do this. We're going to do that. And so that's why I think a lot of 
um, conservatives, libertarian conservatives like myself and a lever as well, um, wouldn't normally see say that, but we think, well, Boris Johnson seems the only person who's saying something and trying to get on with it. And so we all end up doubling down. And mm. it's unfortunate and it shouldn't be that way. Mm. And sorry, and there were my three comments, but my question is ultimately Labour's policy on private schools. I'm a comprehensive guy from Northwest London, you know, went through the system, A-levels, the whole shebang. I went to further education. I didn't even go, I went to FE, mm-hmm. not even A-levels at my comp school. But how do you tell people on the doorstep that we're going to take your aspirations away? Because around the water cooler, average middle-class people, you know, I, that I meet and I work with in my office, they say, that's just something that we can't see it taken away from us. It's just like, we'd like the aspiration that our children would have a better education than me. So that's, there were my comments. I apologize. And that was my question. Wow. That, there's a lot. Yeah, you had lots of views on Labour's private yeah, school. Yeah, yeah, there's, so, a, uh, there's, there's a lot in there. Um, so I'll start with the immigration point. I guess um, if it was an argument that said, you know, we're pro-immigration, we don't like the fact that being uh, members of the EU uh, prioritizes immigration from European states. And so by leaving, we have the opportunity to therefore access uh, more immigrants from around the world and they all get the same level of status. That would be one thing. But the Conservative Party hasn't been making that argument for a long time. The argument it's been making is uh, there's too much immigration that we need to get it to the tens of thousands. Uh, and so the idea that uh, actually there is a kind of liberal basis, therefore, for uh, its position at the moment on immigration, I just don't think stands up because these are people who have spent their political career is saying that there's too much immigration, that we should have less. So the idea that once we leave the European Union, actually they're going to suddenly say, let's embrace all of these immigrants from India and Pakistan and from the African subcontinent, I just think is for the birds. I think these people genuinely don't think that there uh, should be as many immigrants as there are, regardless of whether it's from the European Union or from elsewhere. And I personally think that immigration with you know, some of the challenges that it brings overall is overwhelmingly beneficial for our country. I think it enriches our economy, it enriches our society. I think there are a number of public services that would collapse without uh, immigrants, high skilled and low skilled. Uh, and I just think the Tories position at the moment is, um, you know, illiberal. And I, I fundamentally disagree with that. Um, the Burkow point, I think, is is a fair one. And I think it yeah. speaks to the polarization of uh, the Brexit debate. I mean, if the allegations are true that he has been, uh, you know, abusing or abusive to his members of staff, then people on the left or liberals who applaud him when he stands up for parliamentary democracy should also be criticizing him. And actually, they're far too quiet on that front. Um, So, you know, I would I would agree with you uh, there. Yeah. Do you want to just quickly, I want to make sure we get the one other question in at least. Do you want to just quickly give your hot take, either of you, on the private schools policy? Oh, yeah. Sorry, I forgot that. Well, I'll happily, I'll happily, I'll happily. Tell us what Um, you really think. (laughs) I think that obviously I'm a conservative, so it's going to come as no surprise that I think to abolish private schools is a ridiculous policy. Um, I think that no matter what, rich people will find a way to better their children's education. So I don't think it's necessarily about removing that 
for, for rich people to do because rich people will just find another way to get around that. I think banning's never the way forward. I think that the thing they need to do is to, instead of spending all that money to nationalize private schools, they need to invest that money into schools currently and kind of level the playing field so that you you can go to a private school and people should have the freedom to go to choose if they want to go to a private school. But you need to level the playing field so that it's not just the rich elite that get the best education. State schools, if you invest in them properly, could give your child just as good an education as, as a private school. Uh, you know, uh, I could potentially buy into that if the Tory party was intending to massively increase the level of funding to state schools, <laughs> but, but they never advocate that. And, I mean, ultimately, private schools, I think, you know, they are designed, they are purpose-built to breed inequality. You pay for a better education for your child so that they will have more opportunities than someone else's child. You know, the Labour's policy that says the state shouldn't give uh, essentially a uh, tax holiday to private schools, I think is a fair one. I don't understand why the state should subsidise private schools um, in order to breed uh, elitism within our country. We know that most of the top professions, uh, the most influential professions, are overwhelmingly dominated by people who went to private school, despite the fact that they're 7% of the population. And as someone who used to be a teacher, you know, there is a huge struggle to ensure that your students are, and I taught in a state school, have the best opportunities. We didn't have playing fields. We didn't have as the access to teaching assistants that we wanted. We didn't have uh, you know, kids who would be able to go home and get the kind of support that private school students often tend to have as well. So I think it's absolutely legitimate for Labour to be saying, actually, we want to disrupt it. I guess my on a real raw political standpoint, I think it's quite hard to say, we'll take away your assets. Mm. Uh, that's, I think, I think the tax bit, I, I can understand. I don't think there is much uh, legitimate grounds for giving private schools um, yeah, exemptions from tax, that will take away your playing fields and your buildings, I think, becomes harder. I think I think we could go back and forth on this all day. I, I, I just want to say one real yeah, quick, yeah, go on, quick thing. Quick rebuttal. I think that it's hard for people to look Labour in the eyes and take them seriously when the people um, proposing this policy and really pushing for it are people that went to private schools themselves or send their children to private schools. I think it's unfair to say because of what your mum or dad did when you were 11, you're no longer allowed to view that decision. No, I understand that. But, but people like Diane Abbott, who sent that, her children to a private harder. school that and, and doesn't agree with private schools. It's like, practice what you preach. That, that, that is a harder Yeah, I'm not saying maybe so, so people who went to private schools are, are at fault. But the people who definitely, who send, who've sent their children to those schools and who are part of the elite to say that, is is somewhat it doesn't it somewhat comes across a bit. If only more yeah. conversations about Brexit could end on a point of agreement. Might have made some progress <laughs> yeah. in three years. There was yeah. one other question, and then we're almost certainly going to get chased off. Yeah, because we've <laughs> run over, but you know, hey ho, uh, go for it. Hi, uh, yeah, I'm just interested to get your take on a couple of sort of interlocking things about uh, about a second referendum. So, firstly, the uh, the timing of it. Um, and how the campaign should be run and, and whether sh it should be before or after a general election and how that interlocks with why you think we lost uh, the first, that we 
being Romanian. Oh, you're a Romanian. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, don't oh, Romanian. Okay. Sorry. Um, there are about 14% um, yeah. amongst the population, so we're bound to come across it. Yeah. Polls um, One of the 48. Um, yeah, and, and why you think uh, Remain lost. Um, and I suppose what I'm driving at is um, if you accept that the causes of it are in large part economic, it's due to austerity, it's due to uh, it's due to basically people being made poorer and wanting to kick the establishment. Um, why do you think or do you think that we'd have any chance of winning a second referendum before those uh, problems have been solved? Um, by that, I mean, before we've essentially got rid of this government. Because, you know, if you, if you still have a Tory government, I don't who are who, you know, austerity is over not don't really buy it like we're we're likely to have exactly the same problem in the second referendum aren't we so i so it might come as a slight surprise i would never kind of sit here and say that you know what a stay campaign is absolutely 100 percent going to win if we were to have a like a confirmatory referendum um the one thing i do think is different and it might be a little bit patting ourselves on the back but i'm kind of chill about it is in 2016, so I was lucky enough to be a student union president at the time, there was no youth and student wing of a campaign where that traditional kind of age demographic were going to, on average, seven out of 10 of them were going to vote for your campaign. Like there was no campaign on campuses. There was no voter registration campaign. There was no effective messaging. There was one really shit video that went out on YouTube that was so cringy. So shit. It was, it was so bad was so from shit. Stronger In. And I've told this to the people who designed it as well. Like so bad that it probably put a couple of people off, like even bothering to vote. And I just think like it's, you know, it's been a year and a half now since FFS and other organizations set up to back the People's Vote campaign. But we've always been very, very clear at FFS that we are pro young people and young people having a say and also the opportunity that young people should get to vote to stay. That I think there would be quite a large driver, I guess. And I think my second point would be which is one of the reasons I actually so firmly believe in having a people's vote is the world is such a different place to 2016, both within the United Kingdom, within like the lives of young people and globally. And you now have school children striking about climate. So the idea that more pro-Remain young people wouldn't come out and vote is not completely for the birds, but I think it's quite hard to keep pushing that because I think people are either going to be two ways. They're either going to be completely disillusioned and probably never vote again for the rest of their life, like younger generations this is, or they're going to come out and start voting for what they believe in. And, you know, mm. there's a lot of kind of myths thrown around about like youth turnout and youth voter registration, but I am mildly confident that if we were to have a referendum, more 18 to 30-year-olds would vote and that they would still vote to stay. But I think Ellie is about to tell me why. Yeah, Ellie, oh, why, no, why is no, 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 I was no, going to say that I, I somewhat agree with you that I think whatever your views on Brexit, the best thing that's come out of it is that it has in, in, encouraged a generation of younger voters to become more active in politics. I wouldn't have really paid much attention to UK politics unless the referendum had happened. Yeah. I wouldn't be here today Absolutely. unless the situation that we're in now would have inspired me to say, like, I really need to raise my voice. And I think that's that's one of the one of the best benefits of Brexit is that it's made people like us young people really come out and, and realise that we have a voice and we we demand to be heard. Um, I'm going to come on to the question of why, why do we think Remain lost? And as someone who voted Remain... Um, and now supports leave. I can kind of see why. I, I remember contacting the Stronger In campaign and saying, you really need to play on what Europe does for us because mm -hmm. the leave campaign focused on what Europe doesn't do for us. And I think the problem with the Remain campaign is that they didn't focus on the history of the EU because loads of people 
don't know what the EU was until the referendum came about. No one really cared that there was this another level of government in Brussels that kind of not, I don't want to say dictated, but I can't think of another word, dictated how, how we live our lives. Um, so I think the fact that they didn't play on that. I mean, I remember saying it's Edward Heath's 100 year, like he's he would have been 100 this year if he was still alive. Play on that because he's the guy that took us into Europe. Um, so I think one of the reasons is that they kind of played again, you'll probably roll your eyes at this comment, project fear, in that, you know, the economy would go absolutely awful. It, it completely. Yeah, and I think, no, I actually agree with that one. Yeah, to be and with you. I think they shouldn't, have, they shouldn't have played on that and they should have played on what the EU do for us and, and what benefits it has, which is why, one of the reasons why I initially voted remain but now want to leave I see you you need to wrap up because very we, we're definitely we, we, we do um thank you very much for joining us i think yeah thank you for having me hopefully this podcast shows in this toxic environment that you can have a conversation with someone on the different side of the argument and it not and not turn violent or, or nasty violent. Yeah. yeah 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 i feel yeah. like it's more likely that amanda and i would have a fight than you and i would <laughs> No. Well, I think Parliament should follow our example, shouldn't they? Yes, they should. Yeah, and and should. In, in Joe Cox's memory, as I hate it when people bring her up, but we have far more in common than, than what divides us. That's a beautiful note to end yeah. on. And thank you so much for all of you for listening. Thanks very much. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.